Shigeru Miyamoto once said, Players are artists who create their own reality within the game. This is Save vs. Rant. Welcome to Save vs. Rant, the Everyman Gaming Podcast. I'm John. And I'm Jeremy. And today we are talking about Player 101. Yeah, playing the game. We've already discussed DMing 101, and honestly, it's kind of weird that it took us this long to get to this. We went a whole season without talking about what you need to know to be a player. We've had games ruined by bad DMs. Actually, yeah, bad DMs tend to ruin games much more frequently than bad players, but bad players are a problem too, and there's no reason to be a bad player. We can tell you what it takes to be a good player. And how are we going to do that? Why, we have a 10-point list right here, and we're going to go right down the list. Let's just dive right in. Okay, cool. Our first point. It's dive right in. Dive in feet first. Role-playing is a very weird and awkward experience the first time you've done it. People are talking in weird voices. You're sitting around. You have little miniatures on a map. You have people just rolling weird-shaped dice. It's kind of kind of awkward it's off-putting and you might feel like you want to just sit back and watch people play no don't dive right in get in there have a weird voice have fun with it right it's not about doing things right or wrong it's about being willing to explore this unusual experience of gaming in a way that lets you kind of step outside of your comfort zone and into some interesting possibilities a big thing is that role-playing games are very different from other games. There's a giant power dynamic difference between one of the players and everyone else at the table. There are interesting interactions between everyone at the table that hit on both a personal level and also an imaginary level, where you're playing a game that both involves these people that you know in real life, but also these fictional characters. It's sort of collaborative storytelling, and it's a beautiful experience. And the best way we feel that you can experience that beautiful experience is to throw caution to the wind and jump right in, even if you feel awkward or strange at times, as long as you're able to stay within some sort of comfort zone. And there are tools you can use to improve that process of being in your comfort zone, and we're not going to discuss those right now, but just be aware that these are things that you can find that will help you understand how better to explore this amazing hobby of role-playing games. And note, the first time you play, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to pick up your D12, roll it, and go, wait, why can't I get a critical hit on this? You're going to sit there and go, I can't remember which die is what, I can't remember what my spells exactly do, but it's alright. Just go in, full bore, have fun with it, and just be adventurous. And we were all there, even the best of us at one point were beginners. Uh, I believe Jake the Dog said in Adventure Time that sucking at something is the first step to being kind of good at something, and that's what you need to know about the process of joining into a new hobby or a new gaming experience. So our next point is be prepared. It kind of sounds like a paradox when you put it with the other one, but the type of preparation we're talking about is knowing what you need to play the game. Every character will need a certain set of things. You'll need a character sheet, you'll need dice for your character, you'll probably want a rule book of your own, 
I know that they do get a little bit expensive, and if you don't have access to it, you can usually find them for free online, but have some access to the rules of your own. Have some way of keeping notes. Have scratch paper, and just be prepared to play the game. You don't ever want to show up to a board game night and have people go, so what board game did you bring? Same thing with role-playing. You don't want to show up and not be prepared to play. And remember that there are a lot of things that you can bring to the game that aren't necessarily the typical supplies but are going to take you a long way. Note cards can be really helpful for taking quick jotted notes or marking down treasure that you're going to be passing around a group, you know, like a magic sword that more than one character uses on a regular basis. There are apps on phones for things like spell books and stuff like that. Those can be very useful as long as you don't let your phone be a huge distraction. We'll get to that in a minute. Also, one thing that I used to do with characters where my uh, hit points changed frequently for different reasons, usually because I was using them as a resource for some power, I would do what you do in a lot of board games, and that is I would have tokens in front of me that I would use to track my hit points. So I'd uh, have tokens for five hit points, one hit point, three hit points, and I'd kind of move those around between a token pool and a active pool of tokens that I'm using right now and that would help me to track this in a visual way that I felt was very aesthetically pleasing and that can be useful to you but remember don't feel forced to use something that you don't like if a resource doesn't help you don't use it one of the things that I like to bring to be prepared is a character mini a lot of times people will just play as one of their dice or as a little piece of paper or a coin, but I find that it really helps me characterize my uh, characters if I know what they look like. If I have a mini that I've painted and put a lot of work and detail into just to just to get myself ready to play this new character. And it can be an interesting shorthand to introducing your character, having a physical mini in front of you that you can point the other characters to, and you can say, yeah, my character looks like this. He's this dude right here. can be very helpful. Our third point is keep notes. Now, this might sound like homework, or it might sound like a no-brainer to some people, but it really is important. Keep Good notes. One thing I wish I had done with some of my early campaigns is kept better notes. Nowadays, I, I have a lot of vague memories of how different games played out. I have a few things from like every game I ran or ran in that like strikes me as a memorable moment where something awesome happened. But it would be nice to be able to go back and reminisce on the actual events of the campaign. Even if that's not your specific intention, it can also be helpful to have notes so that you remember things, because there can be a lot to remember. You might have personal quests for your character, and you want to keep personal notes for that. NPCs you find interesting or important, and different places that you might want to revisit or reconsider um, or explore once again later in the game. It's also important for someone at the table to have a map. If you're delving in a dungeon, having someone draw out a map so that way you can go back to certain areas that you might have missed or uh, know exactly how to get around is really important. You don't want to be lost in a labyrinth and going, wait, how do we get out of here again? It's, it's not good. And it really takes a lot of the work off the DM's shoulders to have one of the players drawing out the map so that he can point to it and go, here, here is where you're at. 
right. It can help to have a designated cartographer, and I like to have someone from the group who kind of works as a designated chronicler who chronicles the day-to-day events of the game, or even just events within the game world. You know, you find out a certain kingdom has been overrun with orcs or something. That could be a noteworthy thing to consider. Or your favorite uh, speakeasy got busted by the cops. Again, could be something to have good notes on that no one ever feels particularly that their character connected to in a way that needs to go in their notes. So you have someone who's taking notes for the group of things that might be useful upcoming quests or things that need to be explored by the group themselves. Keep good notes. And tying into that, our fourth point is coordinate with the other players. Now, scheduling and time are, of course, the biggest and most obvious forms of coordination. Be very vocal about when you can play and when you can't play. A big part of where groups break down is when no one's discussing their availabilities and being honest about it. A big problem can be if you are either saying that you're too available when you're really not, or that you're being very uh, reluctant to give any availability because things might come up or there might be cancellations. Be quick to let people know if there's some problem. Coordinating carpooling can be useful as well. But not just between like real-life events. You'll need to coordinate as players of the game as well. A lot of times, people really enjoy talking. People really enjoy playing their character and being... Uh, verbose and being the face of the party. If you like that, let the other players know. Let the other players know that I'm going to be playing a character with an 18 charisma and three different uh, charisma-based skills, and I'm the son of a noble, and I have a warrant out for my arrest. Let other players know what you want to do. Also, let other players know what type of game you want to play in. This is another thing that we will rant about another day, but you need to be forthright about not only what role you want to play in the game, but what kind of game you're interested in playing. We mentioned this in the DMing 101 when we talked about talking to your players about what they want to play. Well, it's equally important for players to communicate not just with their DMs, but with the other players what kind of game they want to play. If your character is a pacifist and another character is extremely aggressive and really quick to jump to those sort of violent solutions to problems, that doesn't mean you can't adventure together, but it means that there needs to be some clear-cut understandings of how that dynamic is going to work. At some point in the future, we will talk about people filling the correct roles for the party. You know, you don't want too many paladins in the group. You don't want too many fighters. You don't want the wizard coming up and going, Hey guys, all I prepared was knock. But that's really more rant for another day. Our fifth point is know what makes your character fun. A well-built character of any sort is going to have things they can do. Special tricks, neat abilities, stuff that you want to emphasize your character can do. A big part of that is not only knowing what your character can do, but knowing how best to apply these things, and knowing, most importantly, the rules that actually apply to what makes that work. I mean, if you're a rogue and you suddenly notice that the fighter just consistently does enormously more damage than you, well, it might be important to be aware that you should be flanking all the time. If you're playing Shadowrun and your character is a Decker and someone else just gets through all the doors by cutting them open with a blowtorch or something, it might be important that you talk about what your character can do to make your runs a little more subtle. 
it might be interesting for your vampire character to be able to vanish when in a moment of pure stress. And it says that you have obfuscate, but what does that actually mean? How do I roll these dice? Uh, do I roll three of these and two of these and... What is this weird one? Well, in Vampire, you're only rolling 10-siders, but you know what I mean. Point being, know the rules around what makes your character fun so that you don't have to interrupt the action in order to continue to play the way your character is meant to play, and also know what you enjoy doing with your character so that you can continue to play the character to the best of what makes it enjoyable and to the best of what contributes to your game. Now a side note here, uh, knowing how, what makes your character fun is really important, but if it's your first time making a character ever, knowing what you can do is super important. I had a moment of realization when I was helping my girlfriend prepare for her first ever role-playing game. She, she asked me, what type of character can I play? And it has been so long since I've been asked that question, I didn't even know where to begin. I, I wanted to say, well, you can play anything, but she was making a character for a changeling game, so I really need to steer her in the direction of fairy tales. What sort of fairy tale do you think that this character would have been drawn into? What story from your childhood did you like? but also made you afraid. And knowing that lets you have fun, and then you can build your character to have fun doing that. And this is another time where I'm going to go off on one of my little rants on the endless and insufferable desire to be absolutely original. Originality is not the be-all, end-all of making something good and enjoyable. Call-outs to things that people recognize. We all want to live in a shared culture and a shared reality. And a big part of that is acknowledging that there's nothing new under the sun. That was written in a really, really old book, and it was probably plagiarized from an even older book when it was written. That's not the point. The point is that the relentless desire to be creative and original can be a detriment if you're spending your entire time trying to come up with some way to be the coolest cool that ever cooled a cool and never worrying about making things fit in in a way that's logical and reasonable and most importantly engaging and recognizable to people. So when you make a character, don't set out to be the most original, like I've come up with this character that no one else has ever come up with. That's not the point. The point is to come up with a character that you want to play, that you think is going to contribute to the group in an interesting way. And whatever elements of originality that you place in that character should be a spice, not the main course of what makes the character. If your character is a dwarven fighter, that's fine. There's nothing weird about a dwarven fighter. It's a pretty typical character. It doesn't mean that you can't splash some really interesting originality in there. You can make him kind of style himself as a superhero, where he, you know, leaps into a disguise immediately before fights, putting on a mask or something. Or, or maybe he's a communist. Just something weird, something unusual. But that doesn't necessarily mean having a character that top to bottom is all of this original craziness that doesn't even fit in with anything else. Even if you're playing a dwarven fighter who is based off of Gimli from Lord of the Rings, Gimli is a fun, cool character. He's interesting. And you're going to be inspired to do fun, interesting things that he did. The, the worst thing that you can do is try to be super original and wallowing in it. You're going to be a character with a dark past who's been orphaned and 
He's he has a twin sister who has been stalking him for years. Oh and, yeah, okay. See, that's another thing is a lot of times when people are like, I want to make my character super original, what they end up doing is mimicking some tropes that are perhaps not as commonly used, but definitely there in a way that makes them really like, you know, really recognizable to people who are aware of those specific tropes. It doesn't end up being original. It ends up being insufferable. Moving on. Our sixth point. Now, the first five points that we had were really for beginner players, players who are just getting into the game. Now, they're important for experienced players to know, but really are are geared toward newer players. The, uh, The rest of this list is geared toward players who have played for a while, but really want to step up their game and become better players. So number six is it's not about winning. Really, there's so many games that the whole goal is to win. You buy a new video game, your goal is to get to the end and get to the you win screen. Congratulations, you have rescued the president's daughter. That is wonderful. If you're playing a board game, the goal is to be the first person to reach the victory spot at the end. Right. There are win conditions. And that doesn't mean that an RPG doesn't necessarily have an obvious goal in mind, where, uh, for instance, in the Kingmaker campaign uh, for Pathfinder, by the end of the campaign, everyone knew what the goal was. They knew what, oh, this is the inevitable end of this campaign. This is the major antagonist. This is where we finish out this game. That's fine. And also, the player characters have that goal as their personal goal. It is their purpose to accomplish that. But it's not about the goal. It's about the journey. If you're going on a road trip from New England to California, if you're just focused on getting to California, you're not really on a road trip. And an RPG is a road trip, not an international flight. It's really about the story. It's the stories that you can tell years later going, Oh, do you remember the time that we delved into the dungeon and fought that dragon? Oh, do you remember the time that I seduced a dragon? Oh, I remember the time that I raised a flock of griffins. Do you remember that? Oh, I remember the time that you burned a whole tavern down. Yeah, see, all of these awesome experiences that we have as shared experiences, it's about the journey. It's not about winning. And that means, for one thing, that it's great to make characters with flaws. that doesn't mean just heap flaws on your character for the fun of heaping flaws on your character. Although if you enjoy that, go ahead, play a deeply flawed character and do your best with it. That could be an interesting game. Honestly, I really wanted to run a game where everyone was given just the worst, trashiest, terrible characters and then told, go nuts, we're going to run this campaign and these are your dudes. But I don't know. I haven't found any players that really want to be takers on that, but I think it would be a really interesting experience. I think that it's really important to lean into your flaws at, when you're playing a character. Oh yeah, like a little bit. Uh, you have to you know, a flaw that never comes up isn't even worth having. Like if you're a half orc ranger and you're you're sitting in the tavern, if if you have a, a six charisma, yeah, you can just sit there while everyone else carouses and talks and gets the plot hooks. But sometimes it's really fun to be loud and belligerent and yell at the tavern keeper and start a uh, barroom brawl just because he's not giving you a discount for your continued patronage. Exactly. So when you have a character flaw, it can be really fun to play into and intentionally lean into that flaw in a really cool way. 
I once told someone that DMing is a weird sort of performance art where you convince a room full of people that they're playing a game, and that's kind of my best description of what a real RPG is, because it's really about telling a story. And, you know, there, there have been arguments about this. Gary Gygax used to say that people are playing a game to play a game, and if a story happens, that's great. I really disagree with that view. I think that the story is the thing. The play is the thing. That's the whole goal of a game in RPGs is to have this really interesting experience with you and your friends. Uh, speaking of interesting experiences, point seven. Combat is not the only option. A lot of times players get into this endless cycle of talk to the NPC, go to the dungeon, fight the monsters, get the loot. Talk to the NPC, go to the dungeon, fight the monsters, get the loot. Sometimes you can just go to the dungeon and talk with the monsters. Sometimes you can fight the NPCs. Sometimes you can rob the treasure and give it all to the king. I don't know why you do that type of uh, thing, but hey, it's possible. Probably to garner the uh, sympathy of an unsympathetic king so that you can get on even greater adventures and eventually rule over your own small kingdom. But note that you don't have to fight every encounter that's thrown at you. Sometimes, if there's a giant in front of you, you can hide. You don't want to fight him. He's going to smash you flat into the ground. Notably in Kingmaker, there's a giant who's fairly hostile as a notable NPC in the second module. And I was expecting my player characters to come up with a plan for defeating this giant. Uh, he is the sort of character who has interesting information... But at the same time, he's a vicious, hostile hill giant. What ended up happening was one of my players said, I'm just going to walk out to this giant who's, who's wandering around singing a mournful song and obviously being pissed off. I'm going to go talk to him and just, you know, try to use diplomacy here. And I was like, okay, I, I said an appropriately high DC. He comes out, natural 20. So he's got the giant talking. And then he ends up turning into this whole conversation and recruiting the giant. And it worked out really well. It was an unusual solution to the situation. That's not to say go into every situation thinking that you can avoid a fight. Or even in games where fighting is not the obvious solution. No, don't think that fighting is something that's completely off the table. But consider the sorts of fights you make and consider where to pick your fights. Now also remember that it is possible that you'll encounter things that are beyond what your characters can handle and act accordingly. One time we were playing a game and we were all captured and thrown into this grand arena. And for some reason, the player characters decided to go along with my incredibly stupid Minotaur and my idea to, let's fight the green dragon that owns the, uh, that owns the arena. That seems like a great idea. That, that dragon was way far beyond us. There was no reason for us to fight that dragon. There's no way we could have won. We, we fought the dragon. We ended up escaping. Yeah, it was great, actually. That was that was kind of the best part of that campaign. But it was, it was an interesting series of events. And it was certainly not what I intended when I put that campaign into motion. And it went in a direction I was not anticipating, which is great. Throw your DM for a loop from time to time. That doesn't mean just act wacky and crazy all the time. But do things that aren't expected. Our next point... Don't be a distraction. Now, this is kind of a sticking point for both me and John. We've, throughout the years, we've had players who have been 
inattentive or have distracted from our games. We've had people who just try and have conversations in the middle of the story. We've had players who are just playing on their phone and not paying attention. Don't do that. Don't be a distraction. A big thing was back in the bad old days of gaming when we started, the major distractions were just talking between players and doodling. Those were the two things that we most frequently saw. Occasionally a player would be audacious enough to bring a novel and start flipping through it when they expected their character was going to have some downtime. Which was fair because sometimes there was some downtime. It's when those things start to overcome the game and become distractions that it really becomes a problem. And nowadays, with smartphones, everybody has the biggest distraction box you could possibly have right in front of you all the time. And one thing that I'm actually very fond of is integrating technology into gaming so that we use smartphone apps and other resources to enhance our games. When we do that, though, we do run the risk of introducing this incredibly distracting piece of technology that can take us anywhere and that we can accidentally fall into when we get a little bit bored. Try not to let that happen. Be mindful of how easily distracted you can be by technology. All of us have had our attention spans eroded to some degree by the internet and having some way of reining that in in yourself is not just an important life skill for gaming, but an important life skill in general. The next point that we have is let the other players play. You aren't the only person here at the table. This isn't a one-man show. Let the other players have time in the spotlight. A big thing for me is that when you're a really good player and you've got a really strong grasp of the game... It can be easy for you to see another player making what you perceive as a mistake or a subpar tactical move, things like that, and feeling the need to correct them and somehow make it work for them, you know? And I really think that it's super important to let players play their own characters, make their own mistakes, and make their own decisions. Not every combat move has to be the absolute tactical pinnacle of superior tactics and the best possible move that could be made. DMs can also take a good pointer from this of not feeling the need to make every character always make the best strategic move. Not everyone makes the best strategic moves. Sometimes you judge things based on different expected outcomes. Maybe it's important to you to take your enemies alive and the other player doesn't see that because you have a penalty when you try to take them alive or overtaking them with lethal force. Things like that can be a problem for games. Moreover, they can make one player feel excluded from the game because they're not as good as other players. Don't be that guy. Let people play their own characters and make their own decisions. If you give some sort of advice, try to do it after the game or out of the context of the event that it's taking place. In the heat of battle, let people make their mistakes. Let people make different moves. Shout out commands, orders in character, whatever, but let people actually play their characters. And don't tell people how their character plays. A good example of this is... If I'm playing a sorcerer, and I'm brand new to the game, and suddenly this creature appears in front of us, and it has red skin and horns and wings, and is wielding a pitchfork because the DM is really leaning into the cliché, 
And I run up. My eight intelligence uh, sorcerer runs up. Eight intelligence sorcerer? Oh, yeah, because he's a sorcerer. He only uses charisma. Go on. My eight intelligence sorcerer runs up and goes, I'll defeat this foul beast and casts burning hands right into his face. Don't tell me, no, 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 no. He takes that back. Uh, He doesn't actually cast that spell. He casts a different spell. Let me make my mistake. I'm going to remember from that point forward that demons are immune to fire. Yeah, and your character is too, which is great, actually. It's actually a really cool learning experience. And I think that to some degree we've all kind of dropped out of that because we are so it's so easy to share knowledge now and it's so easy for people to just casually say everything that's on their mind. We're just so inundated with this as a culture and as a people that we feel the need to immediately preempt someone from making what we perceive as a mistake. And I think that's a mistake in itself. Let people play their characters even and especially if that means making mistakes. And now our final point. The DM is your friend. This is super important. It When you first sit down to a role-playing game, it seems like the DM is constantly your enemy. He's throwing bad guys at you. He's constantly attacking you with these monsters. Oh my goodness, he just had a land shark jump out and try and eat you. What type of a dick is that? I don't like this guy anymore. Why do I even come over to his house? Well, because you need that adversarial experience in order to enjoy the game. A big part of role-playing games is overcoming challenges. And when those challenges are difficult and meaningful, that's when you tend to enjoy those challenges the most. That's when the game is satisfying. And in order to give a satisfying game experience, the DM has to be adversarial in that sense. But this is your friend. This is someone that you're here to have a good time with and to enjoy a game experience with. And a big part of that is knowing that the DM is not here to keep you from having fun, to get in your way, or even to limit your options. A good DM is going to be open to any criticisms or difficulty you have with his game. And if you have an adversarial experience with your DM, chances are there's something bad in the relationship dynamics of your particular gaming group, and you should address that. All right, so that was Player 101. Let's do a quick recap of all of our points. Point 1. Dive in feet first. Point two, be prepared. Point three, keep notes. Point four, coordinate with other players. Point five, know what makes your character fun. Point six, it's not about winning. Point seven, combat is not the only option. Point eight, don't be a distraction. Point nine, let the other players play. Point ten, the DM is your friend. If you follow all of these rules, you will be a wonderful, great player. Now, I do have one last little thing I kind of want to tack here at the end. It's not really a rule. It's just kind of a thing that you want to keep in mind. Being a DM isn't earning your black belt in gaming. Oh, yeah, yeah. A lot of people give that impression that, like, oh, someday you'll graduate to DM, and that's not necessarily the case. I'm honestly not a great player. I'm really not. I, uh... I've been running games, like, my entire childhood. I actually did not play as a player until I was an adult. Before then, I was always the one running the game, and I really took a lot of enjoyment out of it. I do enjoy playing games sometimes, but for the most part, I focus on DMing, and I don't think that that makes me better than the players in any way. I think a lot of them are at least as good at the game as I am, possibly better, but... 
they enjoy the role of player. I enjoy the role of DM. I am both a player and a DM very frequently, and I, I constantly say that if I were a player at my own table, I would hate me. I play so much differently as a player than I do as a DM. It, they're just, they're different hats to wear. They're different things. They're not a graduated step up. So let's see, what do we have next on the docket? My Halloween game. A bespoke gaming experience we have decided to label this, and we'll explain exactly what that means in our next episode, which I think is going to be a really interesting one where we're talking about a very specific sort of gaming experience that we have, or more accurately, that Jeremy has, uh, that I am privileged to be able to participate in. So, once again, this has been Save vs. Rant. Thank you very much for listening. Because you know I love the players, and you love the game. Taylor Swift. Save vs. Rant is a Tabletop Gamers Guild production. Your hosts are John and Jeremy, with music by Timmy Skittles. Save vs. Rant is recorded on dueling laptops in front of a silent and invisible studio audience. Visit us at saveversusrant.com or contact us on Facebook or Twitter at Save vs. Rant. We'd love to hear from you.